0: Welcome to Respect Life Radio. My name is Deacon Jeff Bennett with Catholic Charities of the Archdiocese of Denver. And remember, you can listen to all of our shows at respectliferadio.com. Today our guest is Michael Lichens. He is the editor of Catholic Exchange. He also writes on G.K. Chesterton, religion, literature, and was the editor of a new book out by Sophia Press Institute, The World of Marian Apparitions, which is The thing is huge, beautiful pictures, a lot of great things on there. Thanks for joining us today, Michael.
1: Thank you, Deacon Jeff. Thanks for letting me come on and share with you all.
0: No, appreciate it. But before we get talking about the book, uh, why don't you let people know a little bit about Catholic Exchange and how kind of following that they can kind of keep up to date on a lot of the important stuff going on in and outside the church.
1: Absolutely, uh, Catholic Exchange. We have our mission statement to help make saints in our own time, and that is a call to, of course, the universal call to salvation that we want to to holiness. I should say, the universal call to holiness. That we believe that there are people out there that might uh, show that might be very much the world making saints. We write about and talk about. So we present a lot of what I consider very valuable information that just gets lost in. The chaos of modern life. We offer a lot about saints, about devotions. We've talked about devotions that a lot of people just haven't mentioned before. I have a particular passion for St. Joseph and uh, Memento Mori, both of which I'm seeing a great resurgence as our times demand a better answer. And we also offer a lot of commentary on upcoming news. We're not a political site by any means, but we do have a news wire we run from our front page and we also uh, try to interact with like what asking what it is god wants us to do and how to respond to the times today
0: well you know it really is hard to delineate anymore right every moral issue has been hijacked politically so i mean it's it's hard <laughs> yeah. to, it's hard to separate them I and i've even asked other faith communities that we've tried to work with in different capacities when they won't support you know pro life stuff and other things and they say it's too political And I asked him, I said, Mm -hmm. well, where do you draw the line between political and moral? And no one can answer the question. So it really is a tough line anymore, isn't it?
1: It is a tough line. And that's why, you know, we don't want to be, you know, we're pro-Catholic. We're not pro whatever political movements out there. But at the same time, we do have to engage it. And that's been the call of like uh, one of my favorite sayings, of course, is uh, we've been talking about, Gosh, how am I spacing his name? Uh, Blessed Frassati, Pierre Giorgio Frasati, okay. who, while he's not considered a political saint, he was very involved in Catholic action. He found himself having to be opposed to the fascist and the socialists in his own time, the two big sides of early 20th century Italy. And whether we like it or not, it has to get political sometimes, though.
0: Yeah, and uh, we've done a show on uh, Blessed uh, society as well. And so it really is yeah. important um, you know, to talk about all this thing, and I think you know, making saints the reminder to us all is you don't get to heaven unless you're a saint, right?
1: Exactly, <laughs> and God wants you to be a saint is the big part, which for me is one of the most unbelievable things. It's like, why would God want me anywhere near his work? But that's the one God always uses very, very human people to fulfill his work, and I want people to have that their hearts open to it that God might be using you to answer the prayers of thousands of people and i would like more people to be ready for that
0: well and i think you have to kind of cut through the morass right i mean unfortunately even people oh, with church yeah. seem to have lost the idea is this is all about the salvation of souls this isn't about mm-hmm. you know friends with the modern world and doing these things it's about leading people to heaven and so That's why I really appreciate what you do on your site with Catholic Exchange, that it is about being a saint, it is about salvation, and anything that tells you otherwise is leading us astray.
1: Exactly. And that also is about why we were so excited to talk about Marian apparitions is because it's proof positive, like right there in the flesh, so to speak, that God didn't just make us and leave us alone. He is still involved in us, and his mother still prays for us.
0: Well, and she is queen of the saints, right? Not only queen of heaven, queen of all the saints, because that's where they are, but a reminder to us how much she loves us, right? The messages, I was astounded about how many apparitions there have been. And this is just, I think it starts from like Fatima current. So it's basically just the 20th century and it's all over the Mm -hmm. place. It's not like she's fallen down on the job. It's just that we may not be listening the way we should
1: be. Exactly. And you may... may not hear about these things for uh, even the modern church where we move a little faster than we could in the Middle Ages to investigate these things. It still takes decades for us to approve on the local level than to approve at Rome's level. So you might not hear about a lot of these apparitions, but yeah, when you look through just the table of contents, you see, oh, wow, Mary's been at work the last 150 years. She never slept.
0: Well, and I think to your point, right, you mentioned Medjugorje, you know, Medjugorje is in the book, but you talk about yes. this is not, you know, it's very controversial, right? It's not an approved apparition mm-hmm. yet, and you're very clear, and I think that's really helpful to say, hey, this is going on, but it's not approved yet. So it, it is, you know, calling it like we see it, right? What's true out there and not trying to promote something that, you know, again, the church has not totally authorized yet.
1: Exactly. Uh, at as you know, like with Marian apparitions especially, the Church wants to be careful. Uh, Adam Bly wrote a really lovely book called The Catholic Guide to Miracles, and in there he actually takes time to show what happens when demons concoct fake myth- mystics, fake miracles. And that's another part of a lot of these apparitions is they're preparing us for spiritual war, and part of that spiritual warfare is intelligence and of uh, deceit. So we have to be ready for that. We have to be ready that the devil may try to present a fake mystic to us and do things like that. And that's why the church is so careful and why for this book, especially, we want to make sure to let people know, okay, this one's approved by a local bishop, not Rome yet, or it's been visited by a pope, but not yet, but still waiting on approval, things like that. So people can uh, still approach these and hear their messages, but hopefully we don't lead anyone astray.
0: Well, and I think that's, you know, it's a great reminder. Right? The evil one is really good at sprinkling little truths in with his lies oh gosh, to kind yeah. of gradually lead people astray. And, you know, mm-hmm. Mary, you know, he's terrified of Mary. We've interviewed exorcists and say, when we can't get a demon out, we bring Mary in. So following Mary and yeah. her true teaching, her call to repentance, prayer and following Jesus, her son, that's the path. Mm-hmm. Anything that takes away from that, right, we really should be uh, weary of.
1: Agreed. And uh, we should you know, be ready and open to God's interaction with us, but also I think what you said is very important. And like I said before, we're still at war in this, and this is often Mother's reminder to us that we still have to toughen up, so to speak, because this world needs us and we need to help people get to heaven.
0: Well, as the reminder, right, you said it is a war, right? We are the church militant. You know, we're not the church (laughs) running by the church, be afraid. And if we want to be the church triumphant of which Mary leads the saints, then we Mm -hmm. need to really listen to her message, take it to heart and then go out to the world and share it. Right.
1: Absolutely. And it's one of my favorite things Mary says throughout any of her apparitions is a lot of what she calls people do are the very things your Sunday school teacher called you to do pray the rosary, pray for the holy souls in purgatory, uh, keep the Mass, keep the Eucharist. And yet we also see that by just doing these what seemingly overly simple things, we can do so—I mean, Fatima has done so much great work for evangelization. And I know, like in my own family, several of my family members, that after a small pilgrimage to Lourdes or Fatima, found that their faith— greatly increased and they had a desire to share it and to live it more authentically
0: well and this book does a really good job of really delving into a lot of these and and fatima not the least of which because it kind of starts there yes Um, but it really goes Mm -hmm. into the secrets what happened the children and so people if they want to become more versed in this i mean again it's a 400 page book it's beautiful well, my coffee table is full of junk, but really, anybody who has a clean coffee table—which is probably most people—this book needs to be on it.
1: Yeah, no, I love having it as a coffee table. I love the. For me, I'm a very distracted person, so having the art, the pictures, and a sense of the realness of these places—that these are places you can go to today to see their shrines, and some in some cases even see the people who experienced uh, the Marian apparitions.
0: Well, again, this book has so much detailed information in terms of locations. It is just something that was really incredible, whether it's Africa, Europe, I mean, United States, wherever it is. And you have a, it's actually interesting. There's a map in there with these little dots in terms of where the apparitions, where they stand within the uh, uh, approval of the church. And they're all over the place. I mean, it's it's hard to comprehend. There have been that many because we just don't hear about it.
1: Yeah, it's also intriguing to see, like, uh, the artwork for the map also includes a nice little graph just showing the number of Marian apparitions since the 1200s, I think. And you could see about 1984, which was prophesied to Pope Leo XIII, when the devil's work and reign over the earth would be coming to an end. You see so mi- just a huge jump in 1984, something like 26 revelations that, were, that happened that year. Uh, 1984 is also when we start to see the fall of communism, this once indestructible behemoth over stretching Asia and Europe is now collapsing and new Republic. I just came back from the Czech Republic personally and, you know, countries like that that are suddenly free from the yoke that a lot of these places, it was thought that the Soviet union would hold another two, 300 years. And yet here they are free to worship and to continue existing as, away from the oppressive government.
0: Unfortunately, we still have China, which is kind of of the elephant in the room. And, you know, so I think, you know, Mary's message is is so important, but it doesn't, it hasn't ended with Russia. And we live in a world now, right? Even in the United States, we see people, young people, embracing the thought and the uh, concept of communism, even here in the United States. So, the threat is not done, and she's going to continue to remind us that we got to repel that atheistic
1: government type of government. Yeah, and not even obviously that's one that we need to keep keep in keep in our minds and look out for and discern. But also just the the weight of secularism, I think, is such a heavy burden that it's easy. Like None of us, I think, anyone listening to this would be tempted to join a Bolshevist society to overthrow the church and the state, but many of us will just let ourselves get busy, let ourselves get forgetful and uncaring about our faith life, and that's something that I think is the biggest danger. And One of the great things about this book is just how many times we're reminded by Mary to keep faith, to keep ourselves in the church, and that we would see great things happening as a result of that.
0: Well, I think that's really a good point, right? We, we can't get complacent. We need to be mm-hmm. vigilant. Um, and that's kind of Mary's message, right? Don't don't fall down on this because she's our mother. And, and all these apparitions in the end remind us that she cares about our salvation. She cares about us becoming saints. And so these apparitions really, and and again, we need to remind people, you're not obligated to believe an apparition, right? The church doesn't yeah. tell you what. You know, these approved apparitions are meant to help us grow in our faith and holiness, and following our mother, she's going to lead us to exactly where we want to go.
1: Absolutely.
0: And so I think this book does a a great job on that. And, you know, I, I, I do like, you know, all the different titles that these come along with, you know, whether it's Mystical Wounds, Mother of Obedience, right, Virgin of the Poor, it really reminds us she is no matter where you are in your state of life, she is there to be our mother and to guide us to her son. Right?
1: Absolutely, and she even uh, a lot of these apparitions will take on the name of the city they're in, to remind yep. us that this happened in a particular time, a particular place. In a, you know, this is something that didn't happen in our mysticism. It's not an old legend. It is something in a few cases, such down in Cairo as Etown. Uh, where the ver- the apparition was actually televised and photographed by many many people,
0: and again, this book does a, a great job of going through all that. I was fascinated by. There was a, a great section on uh, Saint Padre Pio. Can you talk about that a little? Yes,
1: bit? absolutely. Padre Pio, of course, uh, one of one of the favorites uh, for me and for many many people. Uh, but Padre Pio would have visions of not just Mary and Mary, but also of the angels and that so much so he could even ask his, uh, disciples to send their guardian angel to him to pray through their guardian angels that he would receive their intentions. And he could also send his guardian angel to them to help them through things, to save them from a bus crash in one incident. But he had a uh, particular visions of what was often nicknamed the Laffy Madonna or his Laffy Madonna. Uh, he would also have visions of the Christ child, something I think about, especially as we're coming up on Christmas. But one of my favorite stories in this that he would often get from the Laughing Madonna, he asked one of his fellow monks to, read, to go to his jacket and to grab his weapon. Monk responded, I don't ha- see a weapon here. I just see a rosary, to which Padre Pio responded, well, yes, what did you think I meant? And this was something that was emphasized to him from the Madonna that – to pray the rosary and to think of it as a spiritual weapon. Uh, You mentioned you had spoken to exorcists. In my interviews and discussions with exorcists for their books, I hear it all the time that Mary is someone they go to often for assistance in exorcisms. So Padre Pio had that shown to him and revealed that, yes, the rosary is a weapon. and something we should pray to as often as we can. But he would see the Mary or the cross child and other things in his ecstasies, and we have the evidence from it, from Padre Pio's word, but we also saw the many miracles and visions that Padre Pio uh, performed throughout his life that cannot be answered by any other thing than that this man had a special connection with Our Lady and with the, the Holy Family that is hard to describe, really.
0: Well, again, the book does a great job and, you know, you can do even more research on it. But, the, you know, the reminder is, look, Padre Pio, St. Padre Pio had a rough time even within the church. Right. People didn't mm-hmm. believe, you know, he had the stigmata, all these things. So, Mary, you know, I heard this from a priest one time who said no matter where you go, no matter where you're going to end up in your life, Mary's already there waiting for you. So she doesn't leave us alone. She's there as our mother. And it doesn't promise if we follow Mary to her son that our life is going to be easy. But she does remind us through these apparitions, doesn't she, that she is walking beside us all the time.
1: Absolutely. And in Padre Pio's case, like, as you said, it wasn't easy. He was oftentimes the subject of demonic attack. He was doubted, but I still meet faithful Catholics who ask me, like, do you really believe what he said? And I'm a little <laughs> shocked when I get that question because I'm like, yeah, for, why would I follow him if I did not And if I thought he was a con artist, I wouldn't bother, but I can't see any way he was. I, he didn't personally enrich himself. He didn't build himself one of these mega church mansions you see down in Texas or whatever. He lived in a small cell the rest of his life, and was faithful to the church to the end.
0: You mean, he didn't have money buried in the bathroom wall like Joel
1: Osteen. Yeah, if he did, he's hit it very well. But <laughs>
0: <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you know, again, the the book is great. There's 400 pages, beautiful pictures and stories. But, you know, it is a reminder because it does talk about eyewitnesses, both Catholic mm-hmm. and non-Catholic, non-believers who are eyewitnesses to this. So Mary's message isn't just to, hey, it's just to the Catholics. It's to each and every person on this in this world, isn't it?
1: Yes, it is. And uh, the 20th century popes have uh, reflected that oftentimes when you see even the recent encyclicals after when he's addre- naming who he's addressing it to, one of the last people is to all people of goodwill. And that's a calling that the Catholic Church is not just a religion for a particular ethnicity or a particular tribe. It is the religion of all of humanity. It is something that God is calling us all to come into, and he does that out of love, not for any necessity. God doesn't need us. He doesn't, we don't fulfill him in any way except that he created us for love and wants us to be with him, again, out of love. And that reminder in these apparitions, whether it's Fatima, where you had 75,000, I think it was something like that, or 70,000-something people who witnessed crazy. the miracle of the sun yeah that's a football stadium of people who witnessed this one great miracle of the sun uh, of the sun changing out of nowhere and then you i mentioned uh on egypt where again you had it even to a point where mary was being photographed and put on tv the egyptian government hated it so much they cut off power for two square miles around the church and mary kept appearing because it wasn't an electrical light show or anything, it was Mary appearing and even allowing herself to be photographed to be witnessed.
0: Well, and you know, you were talking about, you know, the mission of Catholic exchange, you know, to make saints yeah. and you know, have sure all focused yeah. on saints, right? Every saint had a devotion to the Virgin Mary. None of them were like, Yeah, you know, she's not that important. I'm just gonna do this because Jesus gave Mary as our mother, and so to discount and ignore her. Is to our as at our own peril, isn't
1: it? It really is. I think of John Paul II's uh, particular love to Mary, and he had reflected when he was a young man. It he wasn't sure he wanted to have that great of a devotion to Mary as a seminarian and things like that. But he had a love for her from a from childhood after the death of his own mother, and he also realized that she is a mother to all. In fact, we have. That is one of the things we call her. And one of the prayers John Paul II encouraged us to pray is to pray to Mary, be a mother to me. And I think that's one of the most touching things we can say to her because, again, she's not, she didn't give birth to Christ and then her story was over. She's showing up to uh, the apostles, uh, Queen of the Apostles is one of her names at a church in Rome. And she is continuously interacting with us and interceding with us and answering our prayers, but also showing us how we can be better, not just better Christians, but better people.
0: Well, and you were talking about, you know, your devotion to St. Joseph, you know, we just finished the year of St. Joseph. Right. And he living in the living in the Holy family was the least holy. Right. And Mary was humble and followed him. I mean, everything about Mary, right? She's lived every virtue to the fullest and have led, you know, made St. Joseph holier by her presence in his life.
1: Absolutely. And not just, and through St. Joseph's work, I, I, like I said, I had a great devotion to him. We see so much of what it means to be a man. I've recently married, what it means to be a, a husband. And hopefully soon he'll help, me to understand what it means to be a father, but he shows all these aspects, and I like to say St. Joseph says a lot without saying a thing, because he doesn't speak in the Gospels, he's not really someone we hear about, but through just his love of Mary and the Christ Child, and most importantly, his faithfulness to God and his obedience to God and his angels, he changed not just salvation history, but world history forever.
0: So you edited this book. Was it was it hard thing to do? Um, Was it, you know, what did you learn from doing it? How how was when they come to you with this project? You know, how did it impact you?
1: Sure. So this project came to us from Poland. Uh, We've been having partnerships with Catholic organizations throughout Europe and Asia for particular books that we think might be helpful for people to know because sometimes. You know, here in America, where we get our media so centric, you forget that the Catholic Church is a worldwide, international, all of humanity. And so we get these books on occasion. This one was just such a delight because so much of the maps were done, the artistic photos and the photos of art representations of these apparitions were done. And for me, that was my favorite thing, was just how beautiful the book is. It's really well put together. It's really easy to read, say, okay, I'll just read two pages. And then before you know it, you've read about half a dozen apparitions in no time, just because each page asks you to churn and churn. I really like learning about the Trey Fontone apparition, because I had been to that Abbey, and for some odd reason, I just had never heard of this apparition. Uh, give people just a quick overview. There was a man there, he was making a knife, he was planning to assassinate the Pope through stabbing him, and he had even constructed the knife for this. Eventually he starts seeing a vision of this woman, and she convinces him not to kill a Pope. It's the mother of God, and he has a conversion from this, and he does in fact meet the Pope later, but to give him the knife to show what Mary's work had done. And that's incredible at that St. Paul's. Uh, Trey Fontane is where they built an abbey over the place where Paul the Apostle was beheaded by the Romans, Paul was another such conversion. No one could have guessed he would have converted that way. It's easier for us to see him as the great saint, but you read in the Acts of the Apostles, they didn't even believe his conversion was real. It was really hard for them to believe it. So here was another unbelievable conversion happening in the shadow of the Abbey where St. Paul was beheaded, and it was like Mary just bringing history full circle once again in this beautiful moment. And I love learning about that one.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like putting a bow on it, right? I mean, it's, it's, mm-hmm. it wasn't stuff that happened here, and then we move on, right? It, it comes full circle, and she's continuing to, you know trying to save us all like St. Paul.
1: Exactly. And doing it through and also showing like through anytime like someone unbelievable converts and their conversion is takes and they stay to it, it's hard for some of us who've been in it for a while, we're like the older son to the prodigal son, we can be so doubting, but we forget that God's grace is incredible. And he may very well call the enemy he's asking God's calling you to pray for. That enemy might convert and become a life-changing apostle of the Holy Word.
0: I I think this book really helps people to focus on the positive and how much Mary loves us. It's easy to see all the garbage going on in this world and get down Mm -hmm. and feel like, oh my gosh. But this is about our salvation and becoming saints and getting to heaven. And she reminds us that we don't need to be down. We need to be joyful followers of Christ to lead other people to heaven.
1: Absolutely. And what I also love about it is that even when she's warning of great calamities, such as at Fatima or at Akita or some of these apparitions where she's warning, you know, all these things, she gives us really practical things that every parish can do. The Fatima prayers are most famous. Many of us pray that prayer. In church of lead all souls to heaven especially those who most need of thy mercy and it's something that can seem trite and even a little dismissive but it's like no these are the powerful weapons god has given us and we're not just subjects to the whims of time and fortune we actually have a god who can help us to change it for the better
0: Respect Life Radio is produced by Catholic Charities in the Archdiocese of Denver. And remember, you can listen to all of our shows at respectliferadio.com.